Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Well, today I'm going to continue my series on prophets, the Old Testament prophets. And I realize there's some things that's going to be a little bit touchy. So turn to your neighbor says, uh, and tell them, listen to all of it. You need to hear him. Okay. I know some of you don't think you need it. So now everybody needs to hear that. So just, just bear with me because, you know, sometimes the Bible tells us some things that that's not comfortable sharing. You know, any of you ever have God step on your toes through a message? Well, listen to today, and like I said, bear with me, hang in there, and like I said, just, just give me a chance to listen to all of it, all of it, because we've been doing a series about the prophets, Old Testament prophets. Today, we're looking at Samuel. I've called him the lifetime prophet, because literally, he was committed to God before he was born. Before he was born, he was committed to God. And the Bible tells us that he, uh, all his life, he served the Lord. And I want to mention that up to this time, we've talked about a number of prophets. And they were prophets because the Bible, the word prophet literally means bubbling over or spewing forth or giving out truth. See, most of the time when we think of prophecy, we think it is always about foretelling. The fact is, most of it is forthtelling or the telling of truth. And then there's a segment of it that talks about the future. And so, but Samuel is the first one that begins a succession of prophets. Go with me to just read one verse over in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 24, where it says, And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him. So after Samuel, we'll be looking at the prophets of the succession and the continuation of the Old Testament. And I I know I've been blessed, and I've learned something every week. How many of you have learned something every week? I I, I have, and I had some awesome stuff today, and I trust that to be blessed. But we need to realize that Samuel was a prophet, but he also not only was a prophet, he was a judge. He was the last judge. He was a prophet. And he also was anointed the first king. And it kind of nice? You have prophet, priest, and he was a priest, and he anointed the king. But let's look at this guy by the name of Samuel that I've called the lifetime prophet. Now, chapter 1 I'm, I'm, I could tell you a lot of scriptures. I realized that as I was preparing this, I could probably do a whole series on Samuel. Whole series. So I'm going to try to condense it all in and let you hear some things today. But uh, uh, on chapter 1, but I'm not reading a lot of scriptures, what I intended to say. So read, read the book. Read the, uh, all of the fine print, and you'll find out how much God wants to minister to you. But we find in chapter 1 that his mother was interceding on his behalf. And he pro- she promised God, if you'll give me a son, I will give him back to him his entire life. 
And we see that that happened. The name Samuel literally means heard from God or heard by God or it could be requested from God. But the fact is his mother prayed and requested him. And throughout the Bible and throughout the story of First and Second Samuel, we see where God was speaking to Samuel. And as I studied again his life, I realized there's so much. But today, I want us to concentrate on the truths, seven truths that we can learn from Samuel. Now, I, I had to change it. I had initially said the seven lessons. But how many knows that truth is truth regardless if we agree with it or not? Truth is always going to be truth. How many knows a lesson if you don't learn it, it's no good. A lesson that's not learned. If we don't learn from history, guess what? We're going to repeat the history and the mistakes. So we need to understand that. So I felt like God would have us to say seven truths that we can learn from Samuel. This prophet that was a prophet all of his life. How old was he when he came to the, uh, I, keep, I probably would call it temple, but it wasn't the temple then. He came to God's house. How old was he? Well, according to the Maccabees that, that talk about the history of, of Israel, the normal age of weaning was three years old. Now, knowing most mamas, I think she probably, probably held him back at least another year. You know, holding on to him. But whenever it was, she took him and left him with Eli at a very early age. At a very early age, says, after he was weaned. We don't know how much time after that, but a very early age. And every year when she would go and her husband go to offer sacrifices, we find that she would make him a, a garment. Make him a, a new gown, a new uh, robe to put on. She made that every year uh, for him. But uh, he was there at a very early age. Many think that he was around 12 when God spoke to him. Now, we don't know. May have been older, may have been younger. We really don't know, but he was a young child. And we realize that, uh, and we before we uh, go any further, I want to share with you two verses that tend to sum up Samuel's life. First Samuel 7, 15, it just says, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And then First Samuel chapter 25, verse 1, kind of sums his life up. It says, Samuel died. How many knows we all don't do that? Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Now, that's all we have of his death. That's all we have. But if we're going to take that literally, and I believe it was literal, that all Israel mourned his death, then they had to take time to forget about their quarreling. Because this was at a time of tension. Saul was still in the kingship. But David was in the wings waiting to take over. And there were opposing sides. There were groups. There was a lot of political turmoil. Would you believe that? <laughs> political turmoil. And yet in the midst of it all, guess what happened? When Samuel died, it says that they all Israel. That means they all remembered him. All of the Democrats, all of the Republicans, 
All of the independents, oh, you say, well, they didn't have that. Okay, well, all of the religious leaders, all those that were backing Saul, all those that were backing Samuel, they, uh, David, they said, let's forget about this and let's honor this man of God. So truths that we can learn from Samuel. Truth number one, man often quits listening before God quits talking. I said, man often quits listening before God quits talking. There was a comment that says that they were not hearing from God. There had been little, very little communication from God. But I want us to go to the words of another prophet that was following down the road. A prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Let's see what he said in Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. He says, verse 12, go now to my place that was in Shiloh. Remember that name, Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you, persistently. Now, how many thinks that God's still speaking? How many thinks he's speaking persistently? He's doing everything he can to get our attention. But he said, you did not listen. And when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave you to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was where Samuel dwelled. Shiloh was the Old Testament comparison to Jerusalem. But we know by this time, Jerusalem had fallen or getting ready to fall. And it says, and I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. Now drop down to verse 25. Drop down to verse 25. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. In other words, God says, I've tried to talk to you. I kept speaking to you. I kept telling you things, but you would not listen. How many of you wives understand that? You've told us. You've tried to speak to us. And since we won't listen, you quit talking. Just throwing that in extra. That's not even in my notes. (laughs) Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffen their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them. But they will not listen to you. This was God speaking to Jeremiah, telling him, listen, I'm giving you the message. but They're not going to listen. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, this is a nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Now, 
most of you know that I, I, I love America. I love our great country. But I believe that God's been trying to talk to us a while and we're not listening. Amen. I said, I, I don't blame God. I hear all the time, where's God? I can tell you where God is. He's where he's always been, everywhere. He's there and he's speaking to us. But many times God keeps speaking, but he finally quits speaking. And one of these days, God's going to quit speaking. He's going to say enough's enough. And it's going to happen. But truth number one is man often quits listening before God quits talking. Israel had quit listening to God. And so God had quit talking. Matter of fact, it wasn't too long after Jeremiah that we had 400 years of silence. Because God quit talking. Why? Because men wouldn't listen. Truth number one. People quit listening before God quits talking. Truth number two. God will confirm his word. God's word will not return void. God will confirm his word. Now, let's look at chapter 2, verse 27. Chapter 2, verse 27. Now, I'm going to be bouncing around, so I hope you can stay with me. It'll all be on the screen, or you can watch it online and hear it again. Some of you probably need to listen several times. So let's go to chapter 2, verse 27. And there came a man of God to Eli. Now chapter 1 talked about the prayers. Then a man of God, we don't know who it was. It wasn't Samuel. Samuel was just a kid. A man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Then he goes on and tells what he did for the nation of Israel. He says, a man of God came. I won't take time to delve into all of this. But this unknown man of God gave a strong, strong message to Eli. It summed up in verses 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress, you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Now we are Pentecostal. We believe that God still speaks to people. But we also know that God speaks through his word, his written word. God speaks to his written word. He said, I've given it to you, and you've kind of ignored it. You've quit listening. But I want you to know something. He says, there's going to be a time, and that your family is going to die. And there's not going to be an old man in your household. Now, you say, man, that's a terrible saying. Why would you say that God confirms his word? Well, what was the message that God gave to Samuel. If you read that story, I'm not going to go into all the details of the story, but Samuel was just a kid. We don't know how old, 12, 13, maybe younger, maybe older, but he had not had a direct conflict or conversation with God. 
And so one day as he was sleeping, a voice says, Samuel, Samuel. And he thought it was old man Eli. He jumped up, went trotting to Eli, said, yeah, what do you need? He said, I didn't call you. This happened three times, and finally Samuel got the lie. I, you know, he was an old man. He was educated. He knew what was going to said, it's not me. It's God. So when your voice comes again, say, speak, my Lord, for your servant heareth. Or in other words, speak because I'm listening. That would be good words for all of us. Speak, Lord, for I'm listening. And what was the message? What was the message that came to Samuel? The same message that the other man had given, the man of God had given to Eli. God will always confirm his word. Listen, folks, I believe in the supernatural. But don't you go doing some harebrained stunt just because you think something. If it's God, he will confirm it. I said, if it's God, he will confirm it. I mean, you just go look at, remember back in the Pharaoh's day? He kept having what? The same dream or a different dream with the same idea. What about the other men? They kept having the same dream. God was trying to get his point across. God's not going to lead you astray, and he will confirm his word. And just because a man of God says it, can I encourage you to wait until God confirms it? Because doesn't the Bible say, didn't God himself say, and the voice of what? Two or more witnesses. So the man of God came and Gave Eli the message. And then God confirmed his word. What was that word? It was a confirmation that had already been given. Eli, your sons are going to die. Eli, it's going to happen. God spoke to a young boy. But the, mo the message was a confirmation of the message that had already been given to Eli. Now look with me in chapter 3, verse 19, 21. I know some of you say, I don't know if I agree with that. I didn't ask you if we agreed. We're talking about truths. You don't have to agree with it. It's truth. 3, 19 says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. Or let me back up, I'm sorry. Chapter 3, uh, verse 18, or 15. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. What was the message? Your sons are going to die. So God always confirms his word. He confirms his word. Truth number three. I love this one. I love this. And some people have criticized me because of my preaching, and they say it's too simple. And I tell them I like to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can get them. <laughs> I'm glad of truth three. God will meet you at your point of need and at your level of understanding. Amen. That little boy didn't have a clue. 
But God gave him a message. I said, God gave him a message. John chapter 3 and John chapter 4 is a great illustration of this truth. John chapter 3, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Probably as highly educated as anybody of his day. A wealthy person, well-trained, great background. And how did he approach Nicodemus? You must be born again. Man, he met that intellectual being with an intellectual question. He never told him that he was a Messiah. But the very next chapter, there was a woman, a Samaritan woman, uneducated woman, been married five times and was living with a man that was not her husband. Jesus met her at her point of need and her level of understanding. Now, this may not excite you, but I'm going to tell you what. Right in this building here, if we've got 200 people here this morning, guess what? There's 200 levels of comprehension. How many knows that you need something that your neighbor don't need? But the truth is God will always meet you at your point of need and at your level of understanding. When we see that verse that I started to read earlier, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, he kept listening, he kept growing, he kept maturing. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. In other words, as Samuel progressed... God's ministry to him progressed. He didn't call him as a little kid again. He didn't call him out and say, Samuel, Samuel. He began to speak to him in various ways. But God spoke to him. And God will speak to you if you will allow him to. And he will always meet you at your level of need and your ability to uh, respond to that. Hit level of our acknowledgement. Bible says acknowledge him in all of our ways. And he will direct our paths. He'll guide us. He'll direct us. Truth number four. No action is an action. Could say inaction or not doing something is doing something. I don't know somebody say, what do you mean by that? See, the sin of omission is just as much of a sin as commission. You say, explain that to me. Okay, James may have said it best. Over in the book of James, James chapter 4, verse 17, he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. In other words, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, that's a sin of omission. It's not committing sin. It's omitting something that's supposed to be done. How many thinks there's a lot of things going around not, let, not being done because we're failing to do it? How many thinks that, that Eli had that problem? He did not want to face the reality. He did not want to face it, so he just ignored it. See, Go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. 
So Samuel told him everything. What did he tell him? Well, you can see. Let me back up just so you know what I'm talking about. But Eli called Samuel, verse 16. Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am. And Eli said, what is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Samuel didn't want to tell him. And this is what he said. So Samuel told him everything. What? Your sons are going to die. You're going to die. And hid nothing from him. And this was his response. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Now at first glance that seems quite spiritual. But I see it going on in our society today. End times are on us. Let God do what he wants to do. Now I've got a news flash. God doesn't need your approval. God did not need Eli's approval. But the sad thing was the response of Eli. He had no regrets, no remorse, never asked forgiveness, and never made a promise to do better. He said, let, let it go. Let it go. Now we think God's going to do whatever he wants to do, so let him do it. What I do is not important. Church inaction is not God's way of dealing with things. He tells us not to sit back and do nothing. He says to occupy or to be doing business until I come. Seems like Eli had no regrets, no remorse, and he certainly had no intention of getting off his duff and doing anything. You say, boy, that's pretty blunt. That's, that's the truth. That's the truth. What happened when the word came that his sons were killed in battle? Well, notice in chapter 4, verse 15. Now, Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were set that he could not see. He was blind. And the man said to Eli, I am he who's come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? He who had brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. And as soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate. And his neck was broken and he died. For he was old and heavy. In Oxford English, he was old and fat. 
And he had judged Israel 40 years. His attitude was, God's going to do what he's going to do. Doesn't matter what I do. Sure, he was old. Yes, he was blind. But you know, in man's terms, America is getting old. The church is even older. And many in America and many in the church have the same attitude that Eli had. Let him do what seems good. And again, I remind you, he doesn't need our approval. Another way of saying that's, let's just sit here and get fat and watch the world go to hell in a handbasket. You say, Pastor, that's pretty blunt. But then that's what's going on. And, and that's what's permeating our society. It's hitting our churches. Well, we can't do anything. Why not? You say, well, it won't matter. It really doesn't matter. Eli might not have could have changed history, but at least he'd have made the effort. At least he could have said, let God do what he wants to do. Now, some of you are not going to agree with what I'm about to say. That's okay. You've been wrong before. But inaction is just as much as no action. I believe it's a sin not to vote. I believe that. Now again, you don't have to, amen, you don't have to uh, agree with me at all. But in my opinion, that's one way that God has allowed us to take a stand. Well, it won't do any good. Could be. That could be true. But in the last general election, this is not rumor, this, this is fact, friend. In the last general election in the state of Florida, almost a million evangelicals, that means people that believe like we do, were not even registered to vote. I didn't say didn't vote. I said not even registered to vote. You add all those people that didn't vote, and that's a significant difference. Whatever side of the line you're on, I'm not promoting a party or promoting anything. I'm just telling you that we need to honor our responsibilities. As a church, God has issued a command, you need to occupy till I come. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of people sitting on the church pews getting fat. Spiritually fat. Yeah, spiritually fat. You know, none of us are getting physically fat. I know. My wife told me recently that there's 80 pound of me she didn't marry. Of course, I also told her I've been expanding in the ministry for almost 50 years. So we have to take it. But the reality is, we cannot say, let whatever happen, happen. Why? Because God's given us a commission. I said, God's given us a commission. He gave Eli a responsibility. And he ignored it. Now, I know some of you have already gotten upset. I'll take the other side in just a moment.
Truth number five. When in doubt, pray. That was one of Samuel's big issues. He prayed. He prayed. In chapter 8, verse 6. Chapter 8, verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel. What displeased him? They were wanting a king. And it displeased Samuel. And they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. If you read the chapter, you'll see that Samuel continually took the needs to the Lord. He took the needs to the Lord. But he also took the words of the people to the Lord. You say, what do you mean? Well, look what it says in verse uh, 21. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. What did the people say? We don't want God. We want a king. We don't want God. We want a king. And God says, let them have what they want. When those people neglect their rights and responsibilities and just let things happen, guess who's going to get what they want? The people that make all the noise. Now, I'm not talking about revolting or doing anything drastic. I'm just talking about hearing from God and being obedient to do what God asks us to do. When everything else fails. When in doubt, pray. Truth number six. Misdirected allegiance is just as bad as no allegiance. You say, what do you mean misdirected allegiance? Remember what we read a while ago about Jeremiah? He talked about Shiloh. He said, what's happened in Shiloh is going to happen in Jerusalem. Just a few hundred years later. Well, what happened in Shiloh? Well, let's go back a little bit to chapter 4. Chapter 4. It speaks of the battle when Israel was defeated and 4,000 men were killed. That's early in the chapter. 4,000 men were killed. And verse 3 says, When the people came to camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Have you heard anything similar to that lately? Where's God? Why has God let this happen? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh. That it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts. Who is enthroned on his cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. Said, well, let's bring up the ark. How many knows the ark is good? How many knows the ark is great? 
You just got through hearing me telling me that our government is something we, we need to support and live with. But misdirected allegiance is just as bad as no allegiance. Now, I know some of you are not going to like this. But when you start looking beyond God as a source, if you look to the government as your source, it's the same thing that they were doing looking at the ark and bypassing God. Misdirected allegiance. There was nothing wrong with the ark. I was almost fixed to say there's nothing wrong with our government, but that would have been a lie. <laughs> but the reality is, our form of government has been good to us. But if our allegiance is to the government and not to the God behind the government, it's a misdirected allegiance. Amen. The ark was fine. Nothing wrong with the ark. So they said, let's go get the ark. Some of you take this any way you want to and dissect it. But I think there's many in America that's looked beyond God and looked at a misplaced allegiance thinking that that's the answer. Our only answer is God Almighty. Our only answer, our only answer, and just like I'm not going to sit here and ridicule the ark because the ark was great, I said the ark was God-given. I believe our government is God, was God-inspired. I believe that. But if my hope begins to be in the government and not in God, it's a misdirected guidance. They brought the ark in. I'm going to read it. Got to hurry. But they begin to shout and celebrate. Oh, the ark's here. The ark's here. The ark's here. We've got it now because we've got a candidate we can put our trust in. There again. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Follow me. The ark. The ark of the covenant. God says the Ark of the Covenant in itself is just like religion. If your hope is in your religion, friend, you've got trouble. But if your hope is in the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ, if your hope is in the relationship that you have with God Almighty, then you've got a guidance and allegiance. Let's get to number four. I mean, number seven. Somebody said, oh, no, four. Number seven, by choosing a king, they did not reject Samuel. They rejected God. That's what God said. By choosing a king, they did not reject Samuel. They rejected God. When we begin to choose anything other than God, 
We're missing it. Because there's a lot of things that I don't know. But I know the answer to this question. Where is one place that God will not dwell? He will not dwell in second place. I said he will not dwell in second place. The nation of Israel had a choice. God as ruler or man as a ruler. And it upset Samuel. But if you look at chapter 8 verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people. And all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Let's review those seven truths in closing. See if any of them apply to you. And if they apply to your spouse, give them an elbow and Man often quits listening before God quits talking. God will confirm his word. Number three, God will meet us at our point of need and our level of understanding. No action is an action. When in doubt, pray. Misdirected allegiance is just as bad as no allegiance. Number seven, the act of choosing another God is rejecting the true God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister right now. God, just as one of those truths here that you will meet us at our point of need and at our level of understanding, every person here is at a different spot on their spiritual journey. Every person here is at a different spot on their physical journey. And we need you to minister. We need you to direct us. We need you to speak. And God, I can only share what you've shared with me. And I ask you now to take the word and disperse it and give it out to the ones that need it. And that you would minister to us in a very real and wonderful and glorious way right now. God, minister to us. Minister to us. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. I'd like for every head to be bowed and every eye closed. Now, I'm not going to go back over the seven points or the seven truths. But let me just ask if the Holy Spirit spoke to you about one or two of those. One or more that said you need to address that issue. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Yes. Yes. Holy Spirit, you know every one of these person's heart. God, we don't, I don't know their needs. I don't know where they are in their spiritual journey. I don't know the pressures they're going through right now. But God, I know that you're still God. I know that you're still God, and I thank you that Samuel served you faithfully all of his life, a prophet all of his life. 
And God, these truths that we can receive, I ask you to minister right now by your power and your strength. And we give you praise for it. We give you praise for it. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.